My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. So welcome to episode 74 of the Twilight Conversations. Episode 74. So this episode, I'm going to explore what it what does it mean to be a man to me? What does it mean to be a man? And in that you've got man, you've got male, you've got masculine, you've got boy, you've got all that type of stuff. So I'm just going to, of course, I wouldn't be as arrogant. I can be arrogant as the next fella, but I'm not as arrogant to think I can sort that all out in one, you know, hour podcast. Definitely not. It's part of a theme. It goes back to what Mary C was saying to other podcasts around this, around relationships and gender and all of that stuff. So this is part of a theme and there'll be more... Uh, exploration of this particular subject but I just thought maybe you know I'd like to explore male power power in general what does it mean to be a man what are the messages we were given and again I'm going to speak from my perspective as growing up in a, primarily a working class background in the 60s 70s onwards and whether being from, I think for me, being from a, a single parent family who very, at a very young age, began to witness the power imbalance in relationship in a very painful way, as many do. And that influenced how I was, not always in a good way, uh, how I related to women thereafter. I think primarily in a good way, but there are bits of it that I had to, had to and still need to just tweak slightly, that I'm not overprotective and kind of like, you know, patronizing of women. Um, in my uh, deep uh, desire not to uh, be like them, like my dad, you know. And of course, you know, uh, they'll throw the baby out the bathwater, as they say, and I hopefully I've achieved that, but sometimes I maybe need to step into another space and kind of go, do you know what, love? Fuck off. Do you know? And that's okay. I have done that, but I still have a discomfort about doing that. And it goes way, way, way back. I understood as an adult, well, woman can take that. Sometimes it's okay to say, look, fuck off. Yeah. Um, but I could feel when I began to, ex, you know, explore or experiment with that first back in, even in the 80s and the 90s, it was really difficult. You know, I do, it was irrational in a way, but I was kind of like, where other women were saying, Jimmy, tell her to fucking jog on, you know. Ali, you know, I knew there was something from a childhood perspective coming into play for me. I knew there was something about uh, some distortion that I was somehow being abusive to a woman if I told her, you know, get the fuck, you know, when, it, when it's not, you know, where she was probably behaving badly, do you know what I mean? Um, so I would do it, but I want to run back and kind of go, listen, this uh, this is part of an old pattern. It goes way way back. You know, it's. Uh, I understand that as a, a an adult woman, you're quite capable of processing the feelings of being told to fuck off. You know, that's what I nearly feel like doing. I'd have to sit on my hands to not do it uh, in that way. You know, so there already is an influence uh, of observing uh, in, in the family setting because this this can go into you know the community and into the world politics. How you know. Male power, you know, let's let's not pretend. One of my questions is, what is equality, you know? There isn't any. Well, the, no, that's not right to say. That's that's pissing on all the work so many people, mainly women, have done over the hundreds of years to try gain some sense of equality. There is. 
but we ain't there yet, you know. So I'll come back to what equality, what does that mean? It's, this is so ingrained, isn't it? You can see already, even, even from the start. So let me pause that for a second. So I'll come back to that. That's really what I'm hoping to discuss more with you today. Uh, what, what forms, you know, and, and I think the fathers are going to be important, as are the mothers. But the, you know, for particularly in, in my own work, I found that working with men, uh, the experience of the dad, whether he was present or whether he was present and violent or whatever accommodations, has a huge impact on uh, how we understand the roles we take on as males, what it means to be a man, how we relate to women, and so on, so on. Now, I need to put in very clearly here, right? I'm going to talk a lot about context, experience, conditioning for us males, right? Always we're going to balance that off with regardless of what that was and we need to work with that and know that and understand that. We have responsibility, we have choice, right? You know, yes, we can understand the context, but then we have to start taking the ownership and kind of go, well, it's up to me to behave differently or to do to to be who I really am in this Right, so I, you know, we can't keep leaning into oh, well, it's just conditioning. I can't help it, you know. Blah, blah, blah. We can help it, of course we can. Uh, it can be tough. It can be definitely tough for sure. Okay, so there's already a little, little bit of a hors d'oeuvre for what's to come. Um, speaking of hors d'oeuvres, remind me I've got the in brackets the BLT saga written. Let me get to you about the BLT saga quite shortly. Um, a cup of tea, some tea. I have my tea poured. So, before I move into that, it's not completely separate to all of that. Let me thank you all for your feedback from all the podcasts because people are listening at different, you know, not everyone is up to speed, not everyone will be. People dip in and out of them. Some people listen every week and I meet them and they're, you know, which is just so cool. It's all cool. Those that don't listen, it's so cool as well. I, I sorry, don't expect that from everybody, you know. Um, but those that have on the last episode around different strokes, different folks, really liked it, which was lovely. Uh, loved the idea that opened it out, got people thinking more about what choices they're making in relationship, be that friendships and love and families, how they are themselves, how we value ourselves, how we look at others, the, the difference between the pleasant game playing, the flirtation, the kind of intrigue, which is just delightful for everybody. And then this more sinister, the kind of, even though it's sinister, fucking irritating, gets under your skin, that other stuff when it comes in, you know, it's like, I'm not coming out with that shit. <laughs> we were doing so well. <laughs> we were doing so well. I was kind of my fingers crossed that this wouldn't come in and it, and it, and it yeah, well, it does. It doesn't always, the people I have in my life now, it doesn't. Uh, but people who are inclined that way probably won't be having much to do with me or me then because there's no meat place, you know. Um, and that's fine, as we said. Live and let live is a huge slogan for me to use. And it's enormous for this, for, for gender, for being male, live and let live. Uh, but as it is in, in that world. So... I think because of the nature of my podcast and the people who generally find themselves listening, and it's not necessarily an age thing, as I was saying, although there are more in their 40s, 50s, uh, 60s listening, but because of the style of the, the podcast, those that are interested in are probably going to be equally as uh, dismayed 
and uninspired by that type of silly game playing as I am. And, and a lot of them are because that's they're into what I'm, I'm talking about. But not everybody is. Some people are still saying, no, 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 I, I think you're a bit like, allow more space there, Jimmy. You know, there's more room. And yeah, I hear that, you know. I think the majority of my listeners are probably leaning in more to like, and again, it could be an age thing or it could be a, just where someone's at thing or a preference style thing. Cause the style of the podcast probably suit people that, uh, find those, not the good games, the other stuff. It's just like, Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just, that's the way it is. So, uh, I think, um, so that's that one. Thank you for all of that. But you know, uh, another comment was keep remembering the choices, Jimmy. Everyone's got choices. Yep, absolutely different styles. And I'm I'm trying to open up to more and more. Some people do really enjoy that stuff with each other. I think the two have to be into that though, for that to work. And, and yeah, like they're not doing anyone any harm. Not not each other. As we say. Knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Okay. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, Jer, uh, editor, just in case I forget at the end, um, for your work. Uh, this is a fucking international weekend. Jer, I know you've been a football fan. Me and my Liverpool, my friends who are also Liverpool fans, not all my friends are Liverpool fans. Most of them are. It's an interesting one. Um, but I have a couple of United. This <laughs> is really bizarre. Uh, that could be a tough day with them too. Where where all that meets. But anyway, we get really quite depressed on the international weekend. I know there's still football on, but like fuck off. Do you know what I mean? It interferes with the Premiership and the fun. So I, I found that bit of a dark cloud coming over the weekend. <laughs> like, oh, there's no match on. You know, they're fucking around with international friendlies. And yeah, look, of course I want Ireland to do well. Absolutely, but you know. So just to name that. Now, that that might be, because was, was it Mary C said to me, Mary Lynch said to me the other day, we were chit-chit-chatting, and she was commenting on something I'd said in a voice note. Yeah, we were trying to organise, um, she might be able to get up to Dublin, because she's living in Donegal now, before the Christmas, but if we did, I'm saying, well, that's usually going to be, if it's a Saturday or a Sunday for interviews, we got to check with Jer that there's not an Arsenal game on and me there's not a Liverpool game on and it's built around that. <laughs> and she was like, what the fuck's that with you guys in football, you know? No, I know women like football too. Uh, but she was, I know she was getting that an attitude and it was, it was funny. We were having a laugh about it, you know? But uh, that's a fact, you know? Ooh. Okay. So, yep, I've named that. That's out. I'm sharing. It's out in the open. I, I get a bit depressed when the Premiership isn't on. That's why this. That's partly why. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out again. Even though it's great when the winter's over, and the summer comes in, but I get quietly depressed because the Premiership isn't on. I know I'm not the only one. Come on, guys, come out and say it. It kind of like takes the shine off the summer a little bit unless the world cup is on or something but um yeah there's a couple of months there that are a little bit challenging so has the same feeling that i have and i have shared this several times before but i was saying it to someone recently i don't like that when covid was at its height it was awful in 2020 2019 2020 but when the lockdowns were on and people were saying it's really terrible being in the lockdown isn't it I had to pretend because I don't. I could do lockdowns all day. 
I could stay in for months, months is enough food and good telly, you know. It, like, if you could do the lockdowns without the COVID, that's my life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I live that way. That's relevant to when I come to talk about watching a documentary, which I will be doing, a documentary about T-Rex, which is ties into me talking about males and, and male power and stuff. Okay. So before, thank you everyone, just in case I'm forgetting. So before I launch in more to what does it mean to be a man for JJ, um, Jimmy J or Shay, Shamo. I've known because used to always call me Shamo. I, uh, I learned a lot about being a man watching him. Not necessarily good. He was like, he was a painter, one of the uncles, you know. And as I said to you before, we were on the sites as kids. They used to focus in there in the summer just to do all the dirty work. But you'd learn. That's where your manhood began, you know. But you say, all right, Shamo, get up here with that Shamo. Come here. And he, he's one of those kind of like whistle type of always clicking and, whoa, come here. And winking and tapping his tapping his nose with his finger. Always had a he always got a lovely feeling of excitement around him that something was going on, you know. Shame oh, shame oh. Come here. Say fuck all to anyone. One of those guys. Uh he passed away. I, I miss him terribly actually. Uh very, very funny guy. Anyway, I digress. So uh how did I get on to talking about that? Hmm. Gender, power, bum bum. Something was there. Kem. It came because it wanted to come. So, oh yes, the BLT saga. Yes, so before I get into the whole thing, on, you know I like my breakfasts, and I like my all-day breakfasts if I can get them. So I usually have two breakfasts. Joker Reds are now, breakfast one and breakfast two. So breakfast one is usually porridge, weed pick shredded wheat, mostly porridge. Love it. Grand. And puts an appetite on you. I don't know about you, if you have porridge, it does give you a lovely appetite as the morning goes on. I like a breakfast too, then an hour or two later. Most times during the week, I pop into Betty's, Betty Blues, because she lives just near where I work. Brother Vinny's there, there's a fry-up bum, or there's something going on for breakfast. But I was in work early this day, so I didn't go into Betty Blues. It was last week. And, um, but I'd go into town. No, I had to go into town. No, I hadn't go into town. I was in work, seen someone at 9.30, which is unusual for me. I don't usually start at 11, because I work till late in the evening. Uh, and then my next client cancelled. So I had about an hour and a half free. So I thought, you know what? I've got, I have to go into town for something. I'm gonna, I'll get a bit of breakfast in town. Right? It's looking like a good morning. And I'll be back then for 12, whatever time the next client is at. Off I go. And I remember I, I was to go over to Grafton Street. There was something I wanted to get somewhere. It was a particular shop I wanted. Was, was it to do with music? Or, I don't know what it was. Uh or the phone or some fucking thing. Someone said, try Grafton Street or just off there. Who knows what it was, but I found myself drawn over that way. And so I find this place, I won't name it. It's not a bad place. But you know, just this morning I thought, BLT fans will completely appreciate this. I fancy a BLT. Bacon, lettuce, tomato, toasted. Now correct me if I'm wrong, that's quite a standard breakfasty lunch type of you can have it anytime but it's really part of a the lunch uh, the breakfast brunch menu isn't it i just had a taste for that i thought that's what i want i had eggs yesterday love eggs but I had eggs vinnie's always cooking me eggs brilliant in i goes hello yeah hiya so so i'm standing at the, the thing yeah so, yeah what would you like so there's there's a, a fella standing behind and there's a girl in front of me that she's 
He's Irish, she's foreign. But she could speak really good English. So I'm thinking like, I'm not even thinking BLT is going to be a problem. If it's an all day breakfast, I'm thinking this could be tricky. We're into that dance, right? But no. So here I go, I'm getting hungry and I'm, I'm, I'm fantasizing about the BLT. And I wonder what kind of tea do they have? Pots of tea, I see they do, that's good. Because it stays hot. They give you that cup of the tea bag and it goes fucking cold. No, I can fuck off. So the morning is looking good, you know. Uh, so I says, yeah, can I have a, a BLT and a pot of tea, please? Sorry? A BLT, bacon, lettuce and tomato please uh, and a pot of tea and I'm, I'm kind of glancing at the menu, the breakfast menu and I'm not seeing it there but I'm thinking BLT is a given, right? So it's like I had a little sinking feeling it wasn't uh, uh, we, we don't do BLT I went, oh, okay Now while that's happening there's a guy standing beside me and he gets involved and says but you get BLT everywhere, right? It's becoming a thing already. (laughs) You can see what's going on here. And he wasn't aggressive around like that. He's looking at me kind of laughing like of course you should be able to get a BLT, right? And she starts to explain, no we have um, have small breakfast, large breakfast, uh, eggs benedicts, egg florentine, uh, vegetarian breakfast, uh, breakfast roll, and I'm saying you don't have an all-day breakfast, but that's an argument for another day. Yeah, I see that, I love your egg, that's beautiful, but I, I'd like a BLT today, you know, please, that's okay. Is it, and I'm thinking maybe I should leave, look, I'll, I'll kind of go, but I'm getting the feeling I should stand there. The guy behind who looks a bit more managerial, he steps in, says, how are you, how's things here? No, it wasn't an argument around like that, but there was a little bit of a kerfuffle, if you like. Because the other guy's getting involved. He's kind of like, hey, choking me. Of course there's going to be a BLT, right? And other uh, customers are kind of looking up, kind of you know, nodding, you know? Uh, and then I get that awful feeling that I had in the last cafe I was in where I had a problem. Like, maybe I'm upsetting the whole, maybe I'm mixing the whole, there isn't a BLT, it's not that popular. Maybe I'm imagining the whole thing. <laughs> That's a real childhood thing for me. It's, maybe it's nothing, none of this is real. I'm thinking, okay, ground yourself, breathe. Of course it is, right. He says, what's, what seems to be the problem? I said, there's no problem at all. He said, I, I, I can head off. I just really want to fancy a BLT. And your your, your colleague here is saying, you, you don't have it. Now, we don't do them, you know. Now, it was the way he said it. It wasn't cheeky. He said it as if they weren't a thing. That's what irritated me a little bit. And I looked at the guy beside me. Uh, I just gave him a wink. Just, you know, because I didn't want the guy, the, the guy behind the counter to feel ganged up on either, you know. I said, oh, okay, okay. It's, it is a very common breakfast, you know, bacon, lettuce, and tomato, you know. Um, he says, yeah, uh, yeah, well, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I'm also thinking, like, would it not be better business to have a BLT on the, you know, and I think, will I get into that with him? Will I not get into that with him? Then I feel like I'm in the middle of a Monty Python sketch. Do you remember the one about the, the cheese sketch? where John Cleese goes into the cheese shop and the fuckers have no cheese and he's listed all these cheeses. Yes, I'd like um, blah, 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 uh, cheddar. Don't get much cool for it. It's the most popular fucking cheese in the world, right? And the whole sketch is him listing off these cheeses, right? And he's he goes through these lists, John Cleese. He's getting really, really frustrated. And he says, he says, uh, Winsleydale? And the guy says, oh, yes. <laughs> and John Cleese gets really excited and goes, oh, you have it. He said, no, sir, it's my name, Arthur Winsleydale, <laughs> right? I think at the very end, he goes through another list and he comes up, Canonbear or something like that, and the man goes, we have that. And John Cleese goes, brilliant. John Cleese is doing his over-exuberant, I can't believe it, you have it, yes. And the guy says, it's pretty runny. John Cleese, I don't care how fucking runny it is, just wrap it up and give it to me. 
I feel like I'm on his sketch. I'm, I'm in that sketch, except it's for a BLT, right? Uh, and I'm thinking, I'll just leave because I'm, I'm hungry. Practically, I just want, want a BLT. Then I'm thinking, are you being unreasonable? Should you just go for a small breakfast now? Do you know what I mean? I feel I'm, I'm not bettering. I feel I'm like lowering my standards. <laughs> this is the story of life, isn't it? All oh, right, here's what I really, really want, but you haven't, you don't want it. I'll, I'll drop down and just take what's, take the scraps. Kind of for peace, you know. No, there's no, there's no argument here, but it's it's interesting as well. I was really aware of being a male, and not wanting to be aggressive. And I don't think I really come across as aggressive anyway. But you know, uh, and I'm and I'm so I'm apologising. No, no, no. And I'm being very like, no, nah, it's it, look, I can it's fine, you know. Da, 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 but I'm, I'm, but I had I was curious, and I'm looking at him, and he can see I'm curious. I said, you, you do know a BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it's just we don't have it on the menu you know I said and from where I was standing I could see because they had a, a, like one of those griddle things there There was a, and there was a chef doing stuff I could see bacon and I could see lettuce in the you know behind the glass case and I could see tomato I said look I, I tell you what I can you've got some bacon on the go there right you've there's tomatoes I'm pointing and there's some some kind of a uh, lettuce some lovely cos or whatever it was or, or rocket rocket lettuce and i see you've got some mayonnaise there you know sachets were all good he didn't like the fact that it was resolved because it wasn't on the fucking menu right and i'm going you could do that if you like a bit of brown toast butter polity how would that work out he said yeah okay yeah we can do that for you you know and at this stage, every instinct is saying, leave this fucking place. But I'm kind of going, I'm, you know, I'm in this far now. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and, and maybe he'll feel better if he does it and we're all happy. So he said, okay, then you sit down, we'll bring it down to you. Right. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, probably tell your manager it might be good to have or your, your boss on the menu, you know. And the other guys pipe it in like, it's the most common dish of uh, order in the world. Everyone loves a BLT, he said, you know, just, which is nice to back me up, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, that's grand. He says, sit down then, I'll bring it over to you. I said, okay. I thought, this is really surreal, really strange. So I sit down, pot of tea crumbs. So a plate crumbs with two bits of toast, but with, with little sachet, with little, uh, you know, the butter and the little things, the silver paper. And uh, some tomato and some lettuce, kind of separate on the plate. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> and, uh, a sachet of mayonnaise. I'm like, okay, okay, fair enough. So I'll make it myself. I butter it, put on the bacon, lettuce, tomato. And then the next thing, I can't get the sachet open of mayonnaise. You can't have a BLT without mayonnaise. And I'm fucking biting it with my teeth. It's just giving me shocks. And I'm getting knives at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm nearly going to ask the person next could you open that for me please <laughs> I'm thinking this is fucking too much so I got it open put it on it was a nice sandwich as it happened but my god what a fucking fiasco I should have broke that fucking place up I should have been a real man there and said see you you pucks come on outside and you I'll give you a slap as well I don't care if you're a woman you know what I mean that's what I should have done you know but uh, I just think it was funny you know Am I imagining that? Is it unusual for like a breakfasty type place not to have a BLT on the menu? 
Enters police on the bed card. Anyway, that's the BLT saga that happened last week. Uh, and it was quite nice. It was a nice place, other than that. Was, you know, they weren't bad people. Uh, I just thought it was a bit fucking odd, you know. But I, I was more laughing at me just not leaving because there's loads of places you can go to get BLT. I think there was that little stubborn part of me. No, I'm in now. I'm going to make a point. I'm going to make a point. Uh, I'll go in another day for an all day breakfast because I notice it's not on their menu. You see, I always, I think where I get animated is when I can see the items that I want and they're telling me they're not on the map, but they're there. I said, I remember saying to someone before about an all day breakfast, oh, no, we don't do them after a certain time. I remember saying, right, see the eggs over there, fry us up an egg, okay? There's, I see you have some bacon, the sausage there, a bit of tomato, a bit of whatever. Call it fucking something else. Can I have that, please? <laughs> and they were kind of like, okay. <laughs> What's going on with people? Wouldn't it be lovely if they were the only problems in life, huh? Uh, anyway, so let's get into what it means to be a man. Standing up for your BLT, that's what it means. The term woke, you've probably heard the term woke. It's come into kind of political discourse quite a lot in the last few years. Again, since Trump... Trump is going to be relevant here for two reasons. One, there's a woman who gives out, who does make comments and makes rather unpleasant comments, and she hates that I she she's offended that I call uh, Trump a fucking moron, and then she says some terrible things about me. Right, <laughs> knock yourself out, girl. But why Trump will be relevant here is because I think I'm going to talk about at some point what's called toxic masculinity you've probably heard this term came about in the 80s i think and i think he didn't create it but he's like a caricature of the worst parts of toxic masculinity right misogynistic fucking hateful racist xenophobic homophobic all the phobics you can get he is just fucking horrible, nasty, petulant, weak, tantrum and self-centered little prick, basically. That's what he is, right? So he represents the worst of what men can be. And just a little bit worse are the people that insist on continuing to follow him and carry water from and cheerlead from and say, no, he's great, he's great. You know, again, I've mentioned, I think it was, um, I love the smell of democracy in the morning, that episode. We are on the brink of losing democracy. If Amer if it slips in America, there's a really, really, again, I'm not, a, as I said, I'm not a scaremonger, but there's a really, there's a terrifying possibility he'd be voted into power again, right? Even though he has 91 charges going on, right? At the moment. And if it was anyone else, they'd have been in jail a long time ago. Why the man? Because he's threatening. He's threatening the judges, and he's threatening everybody. Like he thinks the rules are different for him. That's what I mean. He represents everything toxic male that you don't want. Look at him. That's my point. I should have just said to you at the beginning. Watch Donald Trump for everything you, you want to know about how not to be a man, right? Um. So he represents all of that stuff, right? Um. But I, I'm, I'm still. I don't even know how fascinated is the word. My jaw hits the ground 
when I hear people coming out defending his behavior and I see how many people still support him. It's like, are we on some kind of alternate universe here? What the fuck is going on, right? I don't care what your political party is. This is a, this is a whole other world. So he's a total dictator. He wants to be, he's a wannabe autocrat fascist. And recently he quoted, without mentioning Hitler, he spoke, his speech was like a Hitler speech. He called his enemies vermin that he's going to get rid of. And he's going to build camps for all the homeless people and ship everybody. Just real, like you're talking Hitler. Right, this is Holocaust stuff. It's and it's not drama. That's what he's doing, and and there's not a big fuss about it. I find that a little bit scary. Anyway, that does link into uh, toxic masculinity. So the word woke used to mean it was a good word. It used to mean socially aware. As simple as that. The far right now use it to beat the shit out of the left by saying, "Ah, you're all up your own asses. Everything's woke, woke this, woke that." You know they're giving it a different meaning and unfortunately some people have bought into that the two over pc you know too politically correct i'm not into that either we have to understand meanings and intentions you know sometimes we can say the wrong thing i remember working with a transgender human being and i got a term wrong and they got real fucking shitty with me and i said listen Please offer me the respect I'm offering you. It was just a term. I care about you as a human being. Why do you think the term is so important? There's a nicer way you could educate me about that. I'll educate you. You can educate me. How about that? Because somehow we can get into with minority groups or whatever that we, we, we patronize them by walking around on eggshells. Like we I've often done with women without realizing it. Don't need to do that. It's okay to, to kind of say, what does that mean? You know, anyway. This is fucking loaded, isn't it? So much in it. Um, so I'm not having a go at anyone other than Trump and what he represents and how we get the cult following, we get hooked into uh, toxic masculinity. It's on the rise, unfortunately. You know, the kind of hard man, the strong man, you know, all that bollocks. Right. I need some tea. Let's get back to the old days where we used to just slap women in the face and she'd say, oh, thank you for doing that. You brought me back to my senses. <laughs> Don't expose the women to anything too challenging. Go on inside, darling. I'll take care of this. Um, glove. <laughs> or, or women dropping their gloves. You drop this. Can I dare to walk with you for five minutes? To them, that would be like riding, just doing that walk, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? I'm feeling all faint. Maybe you better go in and lie down. Um, this is the shit you grow up listening to, isn't it? You know, in terms of what's kind of influencing your idea of what you know, males and females are. And you know I love the pictures, the movies, the films, love it. But it's also influenced us in, in not so good ways, obviously. We need to disentangle what these things mean, you know. What did I hear recently? Woke scream, because they scream woke now. Woke scream is a spoke screen, and it is. It's just a baton to hit people with to avoid the truth. And unfortunately, those of you that are overusing the woke thing, that are kind of being over PC, please stop doing that. Because it's making you look like a fucking sap. Um, be realistic, be reasonable. Think of Stevie Nicks, be gracious. You're going to win the game. 
And that's again a hugely important saying. Graciousness, graciousness will always win the game, whether you're male or female. I, I, I don't fully understand, but I'm acknowledging the power balance is not equal yet. Whether it ever will be in my lifetime, I don't know. I'd love to see that. But it's, it's quite a subtle thing as well, isn't it? As well as being very practical. You know, e equality by its nature means difference. And I love that paradox. Because it's not about me becoming like a woman or a woman becoming like a man. Because I used to think, oh, that's what you have to do, you know, <laughs> and, and deny my masculinity, which is ridiculous, you know. Uh, Mary C. spoke about that. You don't want the pendulum swinging the other way where women just all become like, uh, do you can understand a bit of revenge, absolutely. But, you know, taking that stance of, of uh, having power over males uh, in that way and sub subjugating them and all that type of stuff. That's just a pendulum swing. We'll always get a bit of that, but it needs to swing back to the center. It's never been in the center where we can acknowledge appreciate love respect our differences value what it means really be much more creative and fluid and and uh exploratory around what the different roles mean and are what what strength means what the fuck does strength mean you know we think of strong men strong men right what does that mean is that just a physical thing and of course not all men are physically stronger than women but mostly we are just anatomically what does that really mean you know what are strong men? What is strength? To me, strength is a woman rearing kids on her own, giving birth, for fuck's sake. We'll never come near it. Do you know what I mean? Doing that type of stuff. Uh, there are genuinely strong men, of course, that's not to do with physical strength, uh, with good qualities of strength. We look at what, let's look at what strong means. Let's look at what power means. Let's look at sharing power. Because if you really secure yourself, you can share it. You can give it away a bit. You don't mind. If you're insecure, and that's what's at the bottom of this, where a lot of the, the Trumpy, strong man, inverted commas stuff, is deep insecurity. Right? I know, guys, some of you don't want to hear that, but that's the, that's the truth. That's what's there. You know? Um, okay. I feel I'm on a bit of a rant. But, you know. So... As a child, my abiding memories of men, my father, who I didn't really see very much because of his inverted commas work and play, <laughs> um, wouldn't see him, literally, uh, very much at all. I often wondered, did he exist like a bit of a ghost? Is that him? I believe that's your father over there. Uh, but so that it was more modeled by uncles and maybe neighbors and stuff. And, you know, and I remember as a kid, my idea of men would be, and these were just childhood images you know, a certain odor or smell, a deeper voice, the the jingling of change or keys in a pocket. For some reason, that always as a kid signified, that's a man. They always seem to have, you know, tattoos, particular types of tattoos my uncles had of uh, maybe a naked woman or a, a, a ship or a dagger with a heart going through it. Those types of tattoos, right? Um aftershave back in the 70s 60s it might have been old spice which wasn't not my favorite but you know that kind of male smell uh that musky smell you, you would get um and they're always a little bit angry you know there's always something in the undercurrent that you don't don't upset the men now you know coming in from work papers a few points that whole idea of men these kind of confused and complex beings you wanted the attention of but they're always a little bit grumpy 
maybe you know kind of I always sensed there was something seething underneath these men, you know. I, I didn't have the language for that at the time, you know. They were, I always felt they were kind of complicated beings and kind of I was one of them, obviously, as a boy. You know, I'm going to become one of them. And of course, we watch the Hollywood and we see cowboy films, we see John Wayne and, uh, and we listen to music. I'm even thinking of uh, Johnny Cash back in the day. Real proper fucking man, great artist, very troubled soul, of course. But remember his song, My Name is Sue. He was christened Sue. And the whole song was about having to fight all through his life because he had this girl's name, right? And cursing his fucking father for giving him the name. And then at the end of the song, he meets his dad. And they have a, a hugely violent brawl. He bites a bit of his dad's ear off. Horrendous violent brawl. But the kind of moral of the song was, well, I really appreciate my dad because he taught me how to fight. You know what I mean? Thanks for calling me Sue. <coughs> But there's an irony at the end of the song. He says, if I ever have a boy, I'll name him anything, John, Billy, anything but Sue, you know. So there was these kind of ambiguous, strange kind of notions about what being a man was. You know, you had male names, boys were in blue, girls were in pink, you know, all that type of stuff. That's what it was like in the 60s, 70s, 80s. It was kind of more clearly defined, but not always in a good way, if you get me, you know. You get men calling to the door. Is the boss in when the woman was <laughs> at the door? What? <laughs> that assumption that the man was the boss as well, you know. And women stayed at home, did the housework, did this, did that, looked after the kids. And the man went out to work, came home, was a bit angry, got his dinner, went out for a few points. If you, came, you know, that type of thing. Watched his telly and went to bed, you know. And the cycle continued. So men went to work, women stayed at home. So all those, you know, again, if you're, that would have been the era I grew up in, that's what men would have been, kind of thing. And uh, violent, stronger, violent, more powerful, they would make me afraid more than women would. I was seldom afraid of women, in a good way, I mean, you know, I respected, but I wasn't really afraid, because I didn't feel that propensity to violence all the time that men would have. So even if there was a disagreement with a woman, unless there was a man attached to her, you were going to be safe, you know, um, kind of thing, you know. There's something interesting about, uh, try to get into the deep psychology of when a man can become violent, and I'm not defending it for a second, but the feeling of, are you going to lay him away with that? And it might be a woman in his ear. Or the guys in his ear. Are you going to... Because a lot of the time men don't want to do that. But they feel someone's... I'm expected to do this now. Are you fucking going to let her away with that? Are you going to let him? And underneath it's the awful feeling of... I'm looking like a fool. I'm looking... They're taking me as a fucking idiot. Men struggle with that desperately. Am I looking like a fucking sap here? And we'll be frightened but we'll lash out and get into fights... T to get away from that feeling. You know, it's a very, very powerful. There are many men in prison for a long time because of that feeling. Couldn't start making a laugh out of me, you know, or someone saying, are you going to let them away with that? Are you a fucking agent now as well? You know, get out and fucking fight, all that type of stuff. You know, and I'd have heard that as a kid. Get out and fight, you know, the usual stuff everyone hears, and it's good to learn to defend yourself against buddies and all that. But I fucking hated it. I fucking hate. I was so scared. I was so, and I was scared of two things. Of course, I was scared of getting a hiding. 
and I've got to thank God I didn't get too many. I got, you know, I was good at talking my way out of stuff. But I actually didn't want to hurt anyone either. That was, I, I know it sounds a bit corny, but I didn't want to because even as a, a, a young kid, I was like fast, played football, I was fit, so I, I could fight, but I didn't like it. You know, I wasn't great at it, but I could do it. I could kick fast and I could, you know, I could mimic the stuff I saw on the telly, the Bruce Lee stuff and all that. Uh, I was quite flexible. I could throw a good kick or, you know. But I hated when I made contact with someone and I always ran over to apologize. <laughs> I pick someone up and say, all right. You know what I mean? Because you get blokes, finish him off, Jimmy. Finish him off. Finish him off. And I'd fucking, I'd be appalled. Like I, I'd do anything but lay into someone who was helpless there. I said, ah, no, he's had enough some poor fucker lying there and, and even when everyone left I'd run back and say sorry <laughs> you know and I had two two strong feelings were going on for me one was I felt uh, ashamed and guilty to cause suffering to someone like that and two then I was afraid of the comeback later on <laughs> you know when's something ever over when's it ever over you know you can't be safe then they're going to come at you from so so there's a lot of complexities to that, you know, street stuff, trying to manage your, your way through things. Um, I think that's why I didn't do as much of it as I liked to, you know, boxing and in the ring stuff. I like sports because it was like rules and, it was, and you could shake hands afterwards, you know. Um, if playing football, as you know, I loved. And even if I got a bit heated on the pitch, not that I ever got heated, I never did really. Uh, but if, if, if it got that way, I was always a little bit anxious and wanted to kind of patch it up and kind of go, look, we're grand. I wanted to make sure to shake hands afterwards, you know, because you could be, you'd have a van would bring you somewhere and you could be in a different part of the city. You could be in fucking Kill Rock or Paddy Fair or somewhere and there's a bit of hostility on the sides. And I'm thinking, how quickly can we get to the van after this? Because <laughs> it's going to be playing more you know, in somewhere. So all those kind of fears would come into it, you know. And of course, most of the time it was just men shouting and giving out and it was fine, you know what I mean? It was handbags, as we call it. You know, you throw a dig or someone would shout at you and it would be over. There'd be no horrible comeback. But again, this was all part of uh, the exposure to men being violent, uh, men using their strength, men using their power, and, and kind of having to, in better commas, protect women, you know. But I think we started to protect them from the wrong things. You know, we protected them from shared power, from creativity, from uh, recognizing their own strengths, from having their own minds, from making their own mind up what wanted to do. I think there's a nice protection we can have over each other. Absolutely. You know, shelter. Yep. And if a woman or a man wants whatever role you want to take, there's something nice about being the provider, isn't there, when you can do it? It's a lovely feeling. When it's a shared agreement, that's what we want, you know, and all of that. So, there's a lot in this, isn't there? But they're my childhood memories and that how confusing that became, you know, into early teens and stuff. The whole, what, what were roles? What did it mean to be male? Who were these curious creatures called women, you know, that were really attractive and but strange and had a different way of behaving and smelled different and looked different and uh, all of that. They were supposed to be, inverted commas, weak. And, and again, the whole idea, I want to move away from the idea of vulnerable being weak. It's not. Not not weak negatively. Vulnerable is beautiful. It's where our greatest strength lies. 
you know, so to allow that to be the, the softer part to ourselves, the more, uh, I suppose, yeah, I suppose vulnerable means woundable, doesn't it? Where I'm not defensive anymore. I can be open, you know. Let's, let's create an energy field that's open. And to be vulnerable, to cry, to share feelings, to uh, not try to be dominant, there's a shared power in that space. That's a good thing. That takes, to me, that's what being manly is. It takes huge security. That's what a good woman is. A good woman can own that space with you, you know. Because also I remember, you know, being 12, 13, 14, and women saying, I want a real fucking man, you know. And I'm thinking, what did, that always used to make me feel real. What do they mean? What, what, what is that? What have you got to do? Maybe they need to see me beat somebody up, you know. That ain't going to happen. Uh, well, what did I have to do, you know. And of course, be yourself. Just need to be myself. Whatever that might be, you know, naturally. But what was this real man? And it was maybe the strong, silent Gary Cooper type, you know, who uh, was smouldering with feelings deep down, but uh, could, you know, slap a woman if needed to be, you know, get back into place uh, type of thing. And she would deeply appreciate that and all that, you know what I mean? All mixed up kind of shit like that, you know. What 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 is this real man thing? So let's say there's two real men. There's the fake real man. That's the strong, silent. There's nothing wrong with being strong and silent, but you're the strong, silent type who's smouldering underneath, who punched the head off you if you say the wrong thing. You know? He's just a bit vulnerable. Don't fucking upset him now. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, the real man who is himself and has a range of different feelings and can be flexible and adapt to different roles and can say fuck off when necessary and can also sob his heart out when necessary in the right foot and can also laugh and be gentle and fun and warm and strong and protective and all of those things. It doesn't have to be one or the other. All right. Okay. I'm going to talk about, I, yes, it's documentaries. <laughs> I was watching a, a documentary on Sky Arts as I regularly do. And this goes back to me enjoy you know, being okay in the lockdown. I like to, I don't need to go out very much. I, I go out to work, obviously. I go out to get supplies. I go out to meet people that are important to me, that I love, family, friends, love, whoever it is, right? Absolutely, of course I'll go out. I like to go out to cycle. I like to go out for a, I like to go out to play football. So I go out. But I don't need to do anything else, really. My idea of, a lovely idea of fun would be to have a lovely pot of tea, maybe a nice bowl of soup and a sandwich and a good documentary on I watched T-Rex. There was a new documentary and it was called The Angel-Headed Hipster. And it was all about Mark Bowling and T-Rex, who I love. Uh, nearly as much as Bowie, but Bowie just pips up for you. Now, they were really great friends. They were rivals as well in a playful way because they're at their, you know, they're right at the same time and they're both the start of glam rock and they both were similar in their androgynous kind of, ambiguous way and this is the point i want to get at before i go into the documentary and a lot of the glam rockers were like uh roxy music the sweet even slade you know who i loved as well who oasis really were influenced by they wore makeup particularly dave hill the guitarist you know and glitter and stuff like that so these what the glam rock era did particularly bowie and boland mark boland they opened up a corridor where you could be expressive, 
softer in yourself because these were soft kind of guys. These were like wearing dresses. Jagger did it as well, as he said, and makeup, right? But they were still men and women still love them. So it's like, oh, they were signaling something here. Yet they were kind of poetic and, and creative, you know. They weren't like, fuck that, boom, kick your fucking teeth in. You know what I mean? They had a little more subtlety to them. So even as a teenager, they would allow you to explore, without nothing wrong with being gay, you know. They would allow you to explore your sexuality in that more ambiguous way. It's like, oh. So I never in that felt like, oh, I want to be with another man or a boy. I wasn't scared of that and I'm not scared of that but it was more like I can express myself this way so it softened out right Bowie and Bowden were from London okay they developed these kind of cultured accents of course they were avant-garde artists but they're Mark Bowen was a, a poor Jewish boy from East London. Bowie was originally from East London but they moved to a kind of a nicer neighborhood in London but they were just ordinary people right there's a very funny story about uh I remember seeing about Bowie uh, and his band, the Spiders from Mars at the time, at the height of their fame. You know, as you know, Ziggy Stardust was a phenomenal, iconic album. So Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. So his band, right, Woody Woodmansley, uh, drums, I think, Trevor Boulder was on the bass, and the brilliant Mick Ronson was a guitarist. He was not only, he was a virtuoso, superb guitarist, music producer. But they were from fucking Hull, right? Fucking Hull. And when Ziggy started, started, Bowie was wearing all his gear, his glitter, his earrings, makeup, he had the red spiky hair, he the whole fucking shawag going on. He was wearing these jumpsuits and dresses. And he was saying to the band, listen, if you could get into this, because he was trying to look like the alien. And they were like, fuck off. Look at me in no fucking dress and makeup, they were saying, you know. And he, he, he talked them into doing it, right? Two things happened when they wore this gear. One, their success became huge. And two, they got more women than they could ever imagine. So the guy was joking. He says, as soon as the next gig came up, like, I was first in full lad to get the makeup on, get me dressed on. You know what I mean? So it, it was a market employee as well by Bowie because he was a very shrewd businessman as well, was David. Uh, he knew it was a, a look as well as part of his, his creativity. So, so they were all from fucking Hull, right? But they're doing this... But obviously they were soft enough to realise, even if it was for to, to attract the women or get, look, yeah, I'm strong enough to actually try this out. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Um, so Mark Bowden was the same. And like Bowie, he was beautiful. You know, absolutely, I thought, stunning looking. And it gave us, I've said this a few times, what am I, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, all those years gave me permission to actually be able to look at a man like that and kind of go, I can see why all the women love this guy. He's gorgeous. He's lovely looking. He speaks lovely. His voice is great. There's an energy. Love the clothes, the style. These guys were cool, but they were kind of like a bit feminine, right? <laughs> but still men. That was the that was the beautiful corridor they created. And that's hugely essential. I'm thanking God for them that they helped shape my understanding of what it means to be a man, you know? Uh, that lovely creativity and flexibility. Um, so earlier on, my uh, making tea dance tune was T Rex Hot Love, right, which came out in 1971 from the wonderful Electric Warrior album. Um, you know, she's my woman of gold, and she's not very old. Uh -huh. Brilliant, brilliant song. Where she ain't no witch, and I love the way she twitch. Uh -huh. So I was ten when that came out, 
and I have this f very powerful memory of being somewhere like Butlins. And the way it was done then was, families went and you got a chalet it was a real working class thing to do you got a chalet and everybody all your relatives came chalet for four people you had about 20 people at the chalet like and they had these dances you know for even in the daytime and uh, you went as a kid you know and I remember that song playing and there was a dance floor and I remember there was a particular kind of a uh, dance people did to that the adults or the older i say adults they were obviously 18 19 20 and older maybe uncles cousins aunties there's a particular dance they all did together to, to all the songs but to that song and as i said before i don't mind if you want to do dance steps it was a particular move and i can still see it in my mind's eye but myself and my brother desi who were 10 and he was nine as all kids did you'd slide around the floor like at weddings and you'd, you'd you dance, but you got in with them and danced. Here I am again getting in with adults, dancing, right? And getting in, trying to do the steps they were doing. But then as a kid, just developing, even if you're out of rhythm, your own moves to that song. And I, here's what I remember about it, right? I didn't know what the word sex or sexy meant, obviously at 10, but I knew what it was. I knew there was a charge, there was an energy to Mark Boland's voice. I could tell by the way people danced and moved to it. There was something fucking cool around this there was a vibe you know his music his voice his energy just made you feel tingly and wonderful inside and i remember again those lovely moments of and and having adults approve of you and you know dancing with them and as all kids like to to get that approval from adults so that's a memory anyway of that particular song hot love what a great title for a song uh, i think it was one of his first number ones straight to number one you know, boom Oh, it's fucking a great tune. If you don't know it, probably if you're younger than me listening, you'd have to be 50, 60, 70 to remember Hot Love, right? If you don't know it, it's just a very easy on the ear tune. And it'll get you up dancing, I swear. It's really lovely. Anyway, Mark Boland's, uh, this documentary was just stellar. Because you had all these brilliant artists, including these lovely clips of Bowie talking so lovingly about him, you know, and laughing about the bit of rivalry they had. And you different artists, you'd had his son there, Roland Bolin, and you different artists making this album called Angel Headed Hipster, where different artists were all doing his songs. So you had the likes of Nick Cave, uh, Beth Orton, um, Joan Jed and the Black, you know, Joan Jeff from New York. I love rock and roll horse. She was doing, um, what's that song she was doing by him? What's the song called? Jeepster. And you hear her singing it and she's dancing to it. It's fucking brilliant. She has that heavy New York twang, you know? Mark Bowling, fucking hipster. Babe, I'm just a jeepster for your love. So you had her, you had, uh, oh, who's that other artist? different artists being interviewed like Elton John and uh, talking it. They all loved Mark Boland. They absolutely loved him and they were all influenced hugely by him and they're all playing his songs and they're all singing and discussing it and uh, going through the years of his music, you know. Lucinda Williams does, you know the song I referred to, uh, well it really doesn't matter, Life's a Gas in the last episode, she's doing Life's Gas brilliantly. Nick Cave does Cosmic Dancer uh, I don't know what one Beth Orton does, I forget. They're all doing a song, right? But I tell you who's interviewed a few times about him. Ringo Starr, Ringo from the Beatles. And he loved him. He, they were great friends, right? 
but uh, there was a lovely little piece where Ringo's talking about him and he says he had Mark over for dinner They'd come over and they were chatting and Mark was kind of funky and creative and he said something like oh back off boogaloo you know jokingly right and Ringo said that kind of stayed in my head he said and you know when you're in bed and you're in the twilight zone I was thinking oh the twilight conversations he said the song came to me back off boogaloo i don't know if you know that song by ringo Starr. it's kind of a cool song no idea what it's about but uh it's from his short solo career ringo was, was a great drummer obviously but he, he's quite a few songs himself back off boogaloo photograph what was that other big one he had it don't come easy back off boogaloo is a great song and i remember that it's about 1972 71 72 uh back off so that was through talking to Mark Boland and in the twilight zone, he got that, the twilight area of consciousness. I thought, oh, that was a nice little twist to it. So that's the point I'm making. Sky Arts, if you're interest, interested in music and Mark Boland, Angel-Headed Hipster, it's a lovely documentary about his life and a great tribute to him. And whilst they were acknowledging um, what a, a, an iconic, you know, glam rock performer sexy energetically brilliant he was he created this particular sound you know very kind of rock and rolly but with his own unique twist on it they were also paying tribute to what a great songwriter and musician he was doesn't always get that acclaim you know and he should you know one last thing about him that i thought was absolutely brilliant billy idol was there as well actually because Believe it or believe it not, Mark Boland is seen, not by all, but if you're in the know and you are now, as the godfather of punk music. Now, you'd never put those two together, would you? This soft, effeminate, corkscrew-haired, kind of cosmic poet, right? And fucking Sex Pistols and punk rock and Billy Idol and Generation X. He championed all those bands. He really opened up to all of them, got them on his show and stuff before he died. And there was one thing that happened. About 1970 he was playing a huge outdoor gig right uh, and this is again being a real man right in my opinion being a good real man and on the bill was the faces and maybe the yard boards da, da, da. and when they were announcing it they were saying we have the faces the yard boards yay and t-rex boo he was getting booed this was just at the start of t-rex right booed 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 these bands came on first so T-Rex were last to come on and he was getting booed when he came on booed booed what does Boland say to them he gets the mic and says fuck you right this real effeminate soft fuck you he said to the crowd and he started playing at the end of the set he got a 15 minute standing ovation now that's being a man isn't it he's able to say fuck you and sit down cross-legged and play his guitar <laughs> do you know what I mean and sing these beautiful lyrics of love and peace to this fucking hostile crowd who all adored him at the end that's power not a bit of violence used yeah he shouted out a bit but he was getting some stick you know so I'm not into you know I'm learning much much more about being a real man doesn't mean being a what you know sitting on the sidelines and going oh yeah whatever you say boss off you go off you go there's times when we need to do that of course but sometimes we have to show our teeth and say, get the fuck back. Whether we're a man or a woman, it's an important part of being a man and a woman, isn't it? Males shouldn't have the monopoly on going, fuck off. Am I right? 
I think we need to, I won't say be careful how we do that. I think we need to acknowledge that there can be a power, a historical power goes with when we do that and to be responsible in and around how we do that. And equality, yeah, I was talking about equality, what is it? That's an interesting thing I've mentioned before when I did the podcast on um, misogyny, misandry, let's call the whole thing off some, some time back. Most people know the term misogyny, which means to despise or have contempt for or an ingrained prejudice against women. And then the term misandry, which means the very same the other way around, uh, women have from men. It exists, but you don't hear of it as much. Are there women who hate men? Absolutely. Have they come across them? Absolutely. Is that just a product, though, of being repressed for so long? I don't know. Maybe it is. But I stress again, whatever the context, when we get underneath something and we start to understand it, we then have to take responsibility. We can't use things as an excuse. We've got to understand it. We've got to see the context and kind of go, yeah, let's let's find a way to coexist. Let's find a way to understand. I don't need to do that anymore. You know, I've certainly met, I don't think it was personally to me, hatred from women, but I could feel it as being their own desperate hurt and pain at the hands of men. And they're, they're just spewing it everywhere they go now. You could call that toxic femininity if you like. It's, it's understandable, but I don't think it helps the process. Is there a period of time for uh, a bit of revenge and a bit of get back? Absolutely. You know, sometimes you just have to take out the chin and kind of go, yeah, you've been fucked around for thousands of years. I get you're pissed off, right? Yeah, don't don't take it all out on me, but yeah, if you need to do a bit of that, express it in some way, let's find ways to do that. But let's coexist now. Let's find a way to, you know, uh, live and let live. Now, again, I don't mean to be naive. I know that's easier said than done, but done it can be. Because what's underneath all this as I said earlier, is we need to find like a spine. I keep thinking of the word spine, kundalini energy, the spine of response, being adult, being a responsible adult, regardless of our gender. What does being responsible mean in this context, being adult? What it means is being gracious, being strong. Like, not pretend that you don't have feelings, being balanced, being non-reactive, having critical thinking. You get me? Being able to assess the situation. Again, non-reactionary. Being balanced. Being reasonable. Being able to call something out if we need to. Being able to protect those around us and move on. Whatever. Being adult. Right? And that goes for males and females. Not to ignore the roles and powers that come with both uh, genders. I get that. And again, you can be I'm male, but I'm aware of what might be considered as feminine energy. So why is feminine energy considered softer? Is it softer? Why can't that be masculine? I'm just curious about that. You know, I understand we often think of it that way. Why is that so? You know? I'm laughing to myself. I'm thinking of uh, well, back being 12, 13, 14 or 15 more. We're hanging around with the gag and the girl. Well, I've said a bit about this before. They say, yeah, we want to play in real man. You know, men, fucker, you're all right, Jimbo. And I always felt really insulted about, no, you're all right, we'll talk in front of you, you're grand. I was kind of like wishing they didn't. But I know now it was a nice thing. 
now we can we can you're fucking grand you're a bit different that way and I was aching to not be different <laughs> it's like I just sat there and called me oh, yeah, all right. yeah. feeling a bit ashamed and I don't need to feel ashamed they're actually saying something wonderful to me but I didn't really get it at the time um, yeah okay so I want to explore like and, and again, I'm just, when I say explore even, I'm not going to find the answers to everything. I just want to pose things maybe for you to think about, maybe to get into, to, you can feed back to me on or have conversations with other people about, or just think in the privacy of your own mind, what does this mean around roles, behaviors, attitudes that define gender? You know, we're all familiar with them. We know now, thankfully, a lot of that is changing, which is really good. It's becoming much more fluid and open and uh, it's more again different strokes different folks choice driven which is wonderful <coughs> we got to draw a line men can't have babies other than that do you know what i mean this you know what is it women can't women can't impregnate as such well there's a whole discussion around that but We've got to be realistic about, like, anatomically, there's certain things we can't do. So when we're trying to be equal, we've got to be realistic about differences. And anatomically, men can tend to be stronger. It's just, it's no one's fault. It's just the way we're physically made. Doesn't always stay that way, but we can be. We've got to be aware of that and be responsible around that, but not patronizing and protective either, you know? Um, okay. And look at the mechanisms of power relations, you know, from all kind of issues, from the home to the highest political kind of places. I've said that, haven't I? Yeah. Toxic masculinity. It's really in vogue right now, unfortunately. And it does tie in with, with Trump and far-right politics. It kind of goes hand in hand with all, you know, all those guys. Like, fuck them, fuck the women, yeah. You know, make them fucking suffer, make them pay, make them want you, you know what I mean? Make them respect you. And they're all into wealth. How you get a woman's respect is by having the right kind of car and for clothes. And you know, there may be women who like that. Again, I'm trying to stay open. I've no problem if you like a man who has a better car, a bigger car, more money. There's nothing wrong with having money. But if that's the status of your power, if that's if that's the core of what you think makes you attractive. Remember, George Judy. It's all going to fade. Dumb as forever. Because the term toxic positivity kind of came about, I think, was it the fourth wave, the fourth wave of feminism? I don't know the waves well. I heard Mary C. Lynch talk about them. Uh, but the term toxic positivity, no, no, toxic positivity, that's another one. Toxic masculinity, they're interlinked, uh, came in into play. I think it might be helpful, but it can be used as a, a weapon as well. So we need to understand what is that? And to separate the toxic masculinity that is, particularly in younger men, or maybe some older men, that is conditioned and learned, and they need to be just literally educated, and and that man will change if he gets the right, if he's safe enough and understands, and gets enough support around him, because it's hard to do that on your own. That's why we do the, you know, doing men's therapy groups was just fucking delightful with the late and the very great Freddie Doyle. It was just beautiful because you had, Freddie was a man's man, a fucking man's man. You can feel it off him, but as gentle and as vulnerable as you can get, but also holding that street man thing. I don't know how he did it. 
So you can imagine that energy in the group. And you had men from all walks of life, fucking middle to upper class men, men who'd spent all their life in prison, men who were just very quiet and gentle, men who were funny, all coming together in group and all finding the common themes and healing with other men. So when you get a group like that, it's just so much more possible. The power of the group. There's no one whispering in your ear, you're going to let him away with that. You're not going to fucking cry in front of them, are you? You have a man kind of going, come on, pal, let it out. I want to I want to feel your tears. That's helping me too. Come on, let's feel your strength. Let's feel your strength in the tears. How could you not? You know, and men applauding you when you cried, men holding you. Beautiful. Look forward to doing more of those type of groups, actually. Anyway, you know, but there's different ways. It doesn't all have to be group therapy. When you get more than one man educating another man, saying, listen, it's all right. We don't have to do it that way. I know what the street is saying. I get that. And we can't fight that all at once. You know, I get that. We have to live in the real world as well. But let's give each other a little bit of time to understand that. So toxic masculinity is a general term. There are some people, though, who are into it and no matter how much education or support or recognition or understanding you give them or offer alternative ways they don't want it they're they're not they're making choices around this so some people aren't making choices until they get proper information education support care love then they can make different changes that are for the better but there are men who have access to all that but don't want that and they fall into that far right category, the Trump brigade, all of that type of stuff. Right. Uh, they think they're strong, you know, because of how many women they step with. No, there's nothing wrong with sleeping with a lot of women, particularly if those women want to sleep with you too. Brilliant. Happy days. Or vice versa. It's not about that. When it's seen as a conquest, when, you know, when Met these men feel they have to have women under them. They have to have their foot on them. They get they get off on that, you know. I think some very wounded women can be attracted to that, but I don't think they're really attracted to it. But they can, you know. There's a lot of distortion can happen there, but I think deep in a woman's soul, not sure that's what she really wants to encounter. A strong man, absolutely. An abusive man, no. Trauma bonds, all kinds of stuff can happen there, right? Uh, so you can see it can get quite complex. Um, I was thinking of the cool, clean hero. Remember Steve Silverman? It, it, it'd have to be over 50 to remember that ad. He was the cool, clean hero. Uh, you know, the iconic ones like Clint Eastwood, you know, these kind of strong, silent, cool guys. But they'd be heroes in the end. You kind of don't mind that, but as men, we're never going to live up to that, you know, riding it on the horse, you know. Uh, so you're looking also at archetypes like the king the warrior the wild man trump thinks he's a warrior a king he wants to be one of them you know looking at how we're socialized you know the whole boys will be boys euphemism and big boys don't cry that's ingrained into it even i, I don't have as much difficulty in showing and allowing tears to come for myself but such as so ingrained is that into the male psyche i can hear it in the background when i start to feel <gasps> i can feel those old voices but i don't let them stop me anymore you know if they don't dictate or dominate how i am in that sense you know um 
Big Boys Don't Cry used beautifully in the 10cc song from about 1973. I'm not in love. It's just a city phase I'm going through. At the very end of it, you hear him say, Big Boys Don't Cry. Um, Fun Loving Criminals did a lovely version of it also. Check them both out. Big Boys Don't Cry, you know. Um, so yeah, I suppose... In, in the toxic masculinity, or you have homophobia, the need for control, power, dominance. You get promiscuity, refusing to help share household duties, kind of risk-taking, sexual aggression towards women. Stoicism. Now, stoicism on its own can be a good thing, but it's that kind of like, don't show any feelings, you bat your way through shit, you know what I mean? Duke it out. Violence, you know? So I was talking about the balance between conditioned toxic masculinity and personal responsibility. And then you get the overlap into narcissistic traits and dark tetrad. I'd say men that engage in toxic masculinity, even when they've been shown there are other ways and they refuse to change that, you're probably into the dark tetrad there, right? Hmm. So there's a song, you probably know it, by the brilliant Muddy Waters, the late great Muddy Waters, called Manish Boy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Raw blues, harmonica, bass, guitar, fucking real raw, kind of a sexual energy. And it's called Manish Boy. I'm a full-grown man. I'm a rolling stone. I'm a hoochie-coochie man. And it kind of spells out M-A-N. I don't quite know. There's a lot of ambiguity in the song. I think it's based on the old Bo Diddley 1955 I'm a man song. Which spells out M-A-N. Dr. Feelgood do a version of that. But Muddy Waters version. When I hear it. I kind of. I kind of like it. It doesn't seem to be. Aspiring towards having power over anyone. Or having violence. It's just be in your power. You know, it's a great tune to be in that male energy. It's fucking brilliant, you know, absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm also, was thinking of the song No Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley and the Wailers from Natty Dread album 1974. As you've heard me saying countless times, Bob Marley is the theme tune in, in most working class areas, but in the 80s, block to block in Ballymun, you'd hear versions of No Woman, No Cry, or Buffalo Soldier, bit of UB40, maybe. But it's interesting that working class people often related to reggae music or to Bob Marley. And the interesting thing about No Woman, No Cry, beautiful song, it's a really sad vibe to the song. And like most people, I would have heard, in a, does that mean... If there's no women, there's no crying. Was that part of a whole condition thing? Now, I don't know if, if it, the song wants to evoke that, but of course it's in Jamaican. It's saying no woman, no cry. It's saying if there's no woman, no cry, don't shed no tears. saying no woman, don't cry. It's meant in a comforting way. I don't think it's meant in a repressing way. Right? Hey, little darling, don't shed no tears. No woman, no cry. Right? Somewhere in that song, and Bob Marley's right, he's acknowledging that there's something about the woman crying. There's something, and men do too, but there's something about that. And maybe something about how we've created a system 
that's going to make women cry a lot or suffer. You know, that's what I take from it anyway, you know. Um, it has a lovely hopeful ending, of course. Everything is going to be all right. You know, everything is going to be all right. And at a deep, deep level, isn't that what we all want to know and feel? Everything's going to be all right. You know, that that's really what we want to know. That's what I want to know. Whatever the situation is, if it's today, whatever, you know. Um, and I know it's very hard to talk about what it means to be a man without understanding what it means for women to be women. And of course, in in my various interviews with the Mary C's of this world and also uh, Louise McDonough and other women I have interviewed and will interviewed, that's a Betty Blue, of course, that's a, a theme to explore, isn't it? Because one will influence the other, you know. To I've been very blessed to have brilliant women, Betty Blue included, in and around my life who have taught me huge amounts about how not to be a man, how I could be a better man, uh, and, and so forth, and, and, and how they could be better women, maybe, you know, in themselves and appreciate themselves more, and all of that type of stuff, you know. Um, it's it's an area that fascinates me. It's, it's, you know, I love women, and I love men. I don't, you know, I probably love women a bit better, I think. I think, but I do crave male company at times as well, certainly at different times. And then sometimes I miss female company and, you know, so forth. Um, I'm thinking of, yeah, I'm talking for me. Now, another man's experience might be entirely different. I suppose I was talking about that glam rock era and how the like, particularly Bowie, Bowie and Boland, Bowie and Boland, hugely freed me up inside to to explore who I am as a man much much more to feel more comfortable being a man who didn't particularly want to be beating the shit out of people uh didn't want to be like fucking down in 20 points and you know whatever it's okay if you want to do that go for it who there was something more to you could be softer or you could be fun you could be creative but yet still maintain your masculinity I love that space right and they really taught me that. And music does that anyway and helps you to dance and move. And, you know, um, I remember it now. I'm not going to, I ain't naming any names. But some men, even when they were full of drink, would not dance back in the day when we were 14, 15. As I made reference to, I usually needed something to loosen me up. That day in the shopping center was just a marvelous 30 seconds. But and as a younger kid, I had no problem dancing, as I told you. But then, you know, when shame comes in and, you know, dancing had flow to it and movement and freedom and opened up feelings and energy centers and all that lovely stuff. So you could see why men would be a bit like, the women always got up and dance. Come on, girls. And they'd all dance together, you know. Uh, dancing queens on <laughs> and you'd see them all screaming and jumping up and the hands would be in the air and they'd be and it was a great sight it was lovely they were free because maybe that was seen as what it, you know uh, maybe that's why they, the gay community got into dance so much maybe it was, they were freer to do that and for some reason there was this message we weren't meant to do that as men we were meant to kind of sit at the side kind of go lash forever later or whatever <laughs> nonsense we were thinking right Um 
But if men did dance, they did a very kind of controlled thing with the, they had fists made. They do a little bit of a, you know, that type of stuff. You know, you weren't allowed to go for it unless you were very drunk and then you could blame being drunk on it, you know. But I always remember that. I always remember desperately wanting to dance more freely, you know, but fear of how that might look with the guys. You fucking puff. What are you doing? What are you shaking your hips for, you bleeding? Yeah, bleeding Benny. <laughs> That's what they used to say. The smell of Benji of you. <coughs> All that type of stuff. So, dance and movement is hugely important to gender, to power, to expression, to who we are, how we are, how that is seen. Men tend to be a little bit more rigid. Women are more fluid. If a man becomes a bit more fluid, you get the, back in the 70s, they used to do the gay sign, you know, the hand, ooh, what's up, ducky? All that real 70s kind of comedian's humor, you know, you weren't allowed to express yourself as much, you know. But as I said, certain artists helped free that up a bit. Well, Bowie does, and look at him, he's wearing fucking earrings, two of them. He's got makeup on and a dress. What's that? She's singing the Gene Genie. Lives on his back. Let yourself go. Whoa. Mm. I think then as I moved, I'm not going to bring it all through by 62 years, but I began to experiment more and understand that more as I became, as my brain developed obviously out of adolescence into adulthood, but still the very violent men in power vibe was there. It never sat right. I don't think it sits right with anyone, but we do it because it's so conditioned, those roles, you know. You know, even men that apologize to him for coercion. Oh, you're fucking sorry about that, Uff. <laughs> Why do we feel we have to apologize for coercion? Why don't we apologize to men for coercion? They're all right. Women can't take it. You have to protect them from themselves, dirty, you know? Uh, strange rituals we have like that, you know? Um, I, I took the kids out yesterday. They're your fucking kids, you know? Or that weird fucking phenomena where men get all fucked up about getting access to their kids but they won't pay maintenance. What the fuck's that all about? You know? I often say if I encounter men like that, listen, I know you hate horror, that's fine. But do it for your kids. And for you, for your own fucking dignity. And, you know, do you want to be seen as that guy? You know? Quite a thing. You know? Strange habits, behaviours, you know? I think into my 20s and 30s and I began to I suppose encounter different men and women that were more comfortable in themselves became exposed to conversations around gender feminism you know ask what it all means make up my own mind more take a few more risks myself get the big thing for me was getting comfortable in the part of me that was afraid do you know what I mean and somehow I was chatting to a, a, a bloke the other day about uh, the other day about this very thing, um, that I was ashamed because I wasn't a inverted commas good fighter. I'm actually not a bad fighter, but I just don't. I don't like it. I'm afraid of it. I was ashamed of being afraid. Were there times in my life where maybe I should have maybe stood up, and gave someone a dig, probably one or two, to be honest with you. But they're few and far between. I'm generally glad I walked away, or it was resolved some other way. You know. Are the times I regretted walking away out of something when I should have stood my ground? Yes. I'm ashamed to say still there, there are. But not too many. I could be gentle enough with myself and kind of go, well, look, 
were there times when I showed courage and, and held my ground? Absolutely. Shit myself. Absolutely. I remember one, there was one night sticks in my mind. I'm not going to go into the details because it, it, you know, implicates other people. But it was absolutely terrifying. I didn't have to fight. Didn't have to pretend. It was all about not pretending. But I stood by and with someone. Knowing terrible things could happen at any moment. And I'm the man in the situation, right? But it turned out, ironically, you couldn't have got a better man in the situation. Not because I was able to fucking knock the fuck out of someone or they were going to be threatened by me physically. It's because I held a presence and I held an energy. And they kind of went, right, okay. You ain't moving. I said, no. And I had to bluff a little bit. That they, My bluff was, okay, these aren't going to be threatened by me as a man, so that won't annoy them too much but that I still could get a hiding here. I didn't know, and I didn't. So I'm kind of proud of myself for that night. That that kind of balances out the kind of times where I feel a bit icky, like, oh, you should have played and stood up to him, or you shouldn't have let that happen, or, you know. And I think an important part of being a real man is to be able to forgive the self and not beat yourself up and kind of go, oh, that's okay. That's what I would want if I had a son. That's what I would say to him. It's okay, son. It's okay that you were scared. Do you know what I mean? I love you. That's okay. Let's let's work with that. Sorry, you know. And then at times, because uh, as I have said many times, real courage, real courage can only be there if you're scared or your wits. If you're not scared, you don't need to be courage. You don't need to be courageous. You know, to encourage is to give courage to when when we are scared, so as to feel the fear and do it anyway, so as to speak. You know, within reason. So. I kind of am liking the man I'm becoming. Room for improvement, for sure. For sure. Uh, just finding that balance all the time, you know, when, when times when maybe I should have said and I didn't, times when I should have said, get the fuck out of it, silly fucking wagon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of thing, which would have been perfectly okay to say and I'd have encouraged, but I didn't. You know, but I have since. Uh, you know, but always with that graciousness if you can you know there's no need to be mean or rude or cruel to people at all I think you can hold your ground and say fuck off with grace do you know what I mean or maybe you can say it without having to say it by just your actions and so forth you know so each man has to find what that means for them to be a, a real man you know um, if I see I still get frightened if I still see violence if I'm out my knees still go to jelly it's like oh my heart's pounding but I'm okay I speak to myself I let the adult come in going it's okay I'm going to protect you and if I if I need to try help someone I will I hope I don't have to because I'm scared but I'm not afraid to be, I'm not scared of being scared if that makes any sense uh, and if there's a way I can work it out without a dig being thrown I will do it all day right Mr. Diplomatic, I will do it all fucking day uh, to, to find a way to, you know, and have done at different times. And sometimes it's gone wrong and I got a slap, you know. Fuck off. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to resolve this. Boom. Stay out of it, Jimmy. Boom. <laughs> you know, perhaps if you saw it this way, perhaps nothing. Fuck off. <laughs> and you just have to laugh at that sometimes, you know. Um so it's an ongoing journey, isn't it? You know, and there will be other podcasts where I'll be interview other males or, or females about what it means to be men or what it means to be women. Um, 
I I think men I admire and love were strong like Freddie Doyle, were strong, strong men, but with gentleness, who weren't afraid to give you a hug, who weren't afraid to shed a tear, who weren't afraid to say, you be you, Jimmy, and I'll be me. I love the way you are, and I'll be the way I am. I'm really lucky through, even as a teenager, meeting a couple of men like that who are just very respectful towards me and knew that I was a bit scared and that they said, Jimmy, you're fine as you are. You just be you. We love you as you are. You know, it's not a lovely thing. So I'm lucky to have had that. So that's the kind of man I aspire to and want to be, to to be accepting of others, to be, uh, to be okay. If I have any strength to be able to use that positively to support and hold people, uh, literally, metaphorically, you know, um, that's that's what I to to embrace that vulnerability to allow other men to be in that space also, um, and I think maybe they can sense from me that I'm not going to ridicule them. That's the big one. I think I, I think women don't like being ridiculed either, but I think because of the 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 the, the conditioning, I think men terror ridicule. That's the one. I think being laughed at. By women and other men being fuck, look at that fucking idiot. <laughs> he thinks you know being ridiculed, being made a fool of. You know, I hear some very wounded, very strong men who have been involved in a lot of violence. Unfortunately, because of that fear, but trying to just survive, that's underneath it. Please don't make a fool of me. Don't laugh at me. Don't you know? That's often what's underneath it. As I said, I think men probably doing long, long prison sentences. That was the motivation, feeling vulnerable, feeling humiliated, laughter. You know, again, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just giving you context. You know, we have to understand that. Don't humiliate a man or a woman. Don't humiliate other human beings. Can it happen by accident? Maybe. I don't know. But don't set out. You know, live and let live. Agree to disagree, whatever. You don't have to humiliate someone. Give your opinion. Even having an argument with someone, well, I disagree. Fuck you, fuck you too. You can do that without humiliating somebody, without making someone feel ashamed or bad about themselves. There's no need. There's absolutely no need for that. And if we didn't do that, our prisons would be fucking empty, I would feel. I also hope to do uh, um, a series of podcasts around incarceration, what it's like to be in prison. Um, not not justifying people's behavior to get there, but just looking at the process. What's the effect of being incarcerated on a man and a woman? And hopefully, we'll have a couple of people down the line to interview uh, around that, because uh, it ties into some of this stuff as well, you know. Because often the most feared man is often the most fearful. Now that's different psychopathic behavior you know that's a whole or sociopathic behavior but often men who might be really feared who've had to fight their way through things like oh so and so so and so's around and you get that fear through you he's usually terrified fucking terrified can he any go anywhere near it no that's immediately turned into into i'm hitting you before you hit me stuff you know yeah, so there's a lot in this, as you can see, and there will be more conversations about it, either from me personally or uh, maybe from the comments that I get from you or people that I'm going to interview. Do you remember? I'm sure you do. 
because again it's back to fathers so i'm going to talk a little bit about that father and son cat stevens excuse me i think it was 71 two or three t for the tillerman was the album always lovely album covers uh cat stevens you know the one it's not time to make a change just relax you know all the times that i cried keeping all the things i knew inside it's hard but it's harder to ignore it you know there's a way and i know that i have to go away what is it there's always something about i always had this feeling men were going to go away maybe because i grew up with the father who went who was gone away always looking at his back always thought if he came in was he going to stay you know somehow we are yeah and it's okay to go away sometimes we need to go away to learn something or to get a bit of perspective you know but that that often breaks you know grown men listen to that type of song will kind of go jesus you know it's like a father and son conversation i'm sure most of you know it if you don't please listen to a cat stevens father and son you know just relax take it slowly you're still young there's so much you have to learn it's a lovely conversation between a father and a son that's very emotional you know um and the other one that comes to mind was from about 1974 by the late great harry shapen uh, it's cats in the cradle it was covered by more of a rocky type band i think in the 90s or somewhere in 2000 wonderful song the cycle of you know the whole idea of the song is yeah yeah we must get together we'll get together soon son you know the kid wants to spend time with the dad he said yeah we will i'm busy i've got this to do i've got bills to pay and you know stuff that we all understand you know we'll get together then we're not gonna, we're gonna have a good time then that's the theme isn't it and the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon little boy blue and the man in the moon when you're coming home dad don't know when but we'll get together then now harry shapen's a brilliant storyteller his songs are fantastic there's a twist at the end of course he's grown up and he's looking to try spend some time with his son and so he's ringing his son son i want to come you know we go to the ball game or whatever ah oh, dad you see oh i've got to deal with the kids and the wife and i've got work to do and you know you know but look we'll get together soon we're gonna have a good time then you know and in the song he says my son became just like me you know the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon little boy blue and the man in the moon when you're coming home son i don't know when but we'll get together then we're gonna have a good time then it's a kind of a portentous tale isn't it you know of the cycles of what you know father passes down to son and that's kind of an innocent one you can see how that can happen we get caught up in things that we think are important that aren't that important so what's more important than loving the people you love i say whether they're men or women or both does that i don't really care about gender i really don't you know knock yourself out whatever i'm more interested in how you treat people um i, I do think um in the whole transgender stuff that has a, a small small section of that group have become very reactionary and almost abusive now maybe that's a reaction to being abused i don't know but other than that live and let live let people be whatever way they want to be if they're not doing you dreadful harm let you know why we can coexist you know i'm really interested in like say for example i mentioned football now there's the w with the women's super league and the women's standard of football is superb there's um 
a fabulous footballer, plays for Ireland. She got injured, so she couldn't play in the World Cup. Savannah McCarthy, I hope it's okay to say that. She's from down in the Stowe, traveller uh, woman. Uh, brilliant footballer, lovely person. I'd love to get her on the podcast. Maybe I will someday. Um, but the standard of football is what I'm getting at. It's not just like a patronising, ah, look, let's give the girls a chance here. You have the joke is, yeah, you just watch it to see all the women. Yeah, of course, they look great, but that's not right. There's great football. The uh, Premiership now, the Women's women's Super League in, in, in the Premiership is such a high standard, you know. Liverpool, United, Chelsea, all those teams. Um, so something's happening there. Is that an indication, you know? In the music business, in sports, all these male-dominated, in management, in the corporate world, you know, um, if a woman wants to be a corporate, head of a corporate business, why shouldn't she? If she doesn't, she doesn't, you know. Um, take my professions the other way around, the psychotherapy, it was always female-dominant. Yeah, I'll say a, a tiny little bit about, bit about that before I finish. Um. It's a strange kind of thing, you know. I suppose you can understand it's a nurturing kind of a thing, you know. But um, you get psychiatrists being men and psychologists could be men. Doctors were always men, you know. We always say he, he, he. Um, but therapists, psychotherapy, counselling used to be always women. It's still pretty female dominated. And it's the idea that women would be able to listen and would have those qualities and skills. Um. So when I began to understand, I didn't know this at the time, even as a teenager, that I was a good, inverted commas, listener. I didn't know that, but the girls used to say, talk to Jimbo, he's fucking great, listen to you all day, you know, we used to get that, right? Jimbo, this question, I told you this, bro. Jimbo, come on. I think, oh, does she, no, she wanted to talk, but uh, which was lovely. It was kind of a funny thing, you know, I have a great crack with that. I didn't know I was a good listener. I just, I was just like, just glad to be in their company, you know what I mean? I was just glad anyone was talking to me. Uh, and they'd blow, like, where are you fucking going with her? Or I'd get blokes saying to me, yeah, find out off bleeding. Yeah, woman, find out off fallow. It's right, chance with me, what's going on with her, you know what I mean? I think she fancies fucking <laughs> Benzo, what's going on? That I'd get a bit of that and I'd be trying to be diplomatic and hold that. And so I got good at doing that kind of thing. And some of the more, uh, violent powerful men in the gang i was kind of in with them because I, that was my way in so no one touched jim but was away <coughs> did he say anything to you no 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 because then i get i wouldn't want the fucking fella to get a hide like this no 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 it's grand so i was doing a bit of that diplomatic peacemaking stuff then but obviously later on i learned god i had actually good listening skills i was able to because I didn't have a huge need to say lots myself. I was just kind of, I can say now, kind of really interested in other people. I was learning about other people and I liked the fact that they trusted me and it was a nice feeling and I got some good good strokes from that. That was nice for me. They got, it was win-win, right? Uh, but it was there. So that now as a therapist, I understand there was a natural thing in me to do that. Of course, I had to learn skills and so forth and still do. But uh Men weren't drawn to the professional lot. So, so you get this strange dynamic, right? So say working for an organization, I will name no names. And a woman would come looking for therapy. And there'll be a team of therapists. They'd say, well, obviously she better go with a woman therapist. And I used to say, well, why? I don't, if she wants to go with a woman, I think I've said this before. 
there was just an assumption that a woman would have to go with a woman. What's that saying about how males are seen? Not to be trusted. Uh, males can't trust themselves. Women wouldn't open up to a man. You know, da, da, da. Now, that is changing, thank God. But again, I say it's different strokes. It's a choice thing. If a woman wants to talk to a man or if a man, but it was always, oh yeah, that's the other thing. If a man came looking for therapy, it didn't matter whether you got a man or a woman, unless he specifically asked for a man. Can I see a man, Jimmy, for example, or can I see John? He's great. I spoke to him last week, right? But if he didn't ask, it, w it wouldn't be an issue who he got, but it would be an issue. It was assumed that the woman would have to go with a woman. Well, she obviously needs a woman. Did she say that? No, but you know, no, no, I don't know. What is that underlying assumption? So again, even being able to open those conversations out and make choice available to people about what they want. Therapy-wise, I happen to think variety is a spice of life. I think sometimes I've got great healing from being in a female energy, and sometimes I've got great healing about being in a male energy. A bit of both is beautiful, you know, in a group, for example. Um, but it's the same with friends. Sometimes I just really crave being around the blokes, so to speak, just love that male energy. And sometimes I want to be around female energy. I like a mixture of them both. You know, again, it's a choice thing. We all need a bit of that, don't we? You know, so that's just a curious thing around professions and gender. You know, what we think. I see women driving buses more, obviously. Um, back in the day, remember the clippies? They were uh, female bus conductresses. When you had conductors, um. There's a Dire Straits song. Actually, it's one of my favorite songs of theirs. Um, Red Star, you don't like Dire Straits. No, it's not that she doesn't like Dire Straits. I don't think she raves about them like I do. I don't know why. Dire Straits are a funny band that way. Sometimes you just love them or some people don't. I love them, still do. Love Mark Knopfler's guitar. And, um, Red's just getting close to a couple of important appointments, she won't mind me saying, that we'll know much more about what way things are going to go there coming up in the next week or two. So just be aware, hold her in your thoughts, prayers, energy there, as I'm sure you do. Um, but she's still showing up in life as you do, trying to do the best she can, uh, working when, how she can. And uh, we'll keep a close, I'll keep you briefed on what's going on there. But anyway, the Dire Straits song is Walking in the Wild West End. It's from the album called Dire Straits. Great album. Could it be their first album, their breakthrough album? Yeah, Sultan's of Swings from that album. And it's a lovely slow, beautiful groove. But he talks about uh, the conductress on the number 19. She was a honey. Pink toenails and hands all dirty with money. Greasy, greasy, greasy smile. Simple laugh, something like that, you know. Lovely lines. And I remember as a kid those clippies, the bus conductresses. You know, they'd always be chatty and stuff like that, you know. But they never drove the buses. That's my point. Now, there's no clippies anymore. But now we've obviously decided women are okay to drive buses. Right? Which is wonderful. They're driving the fucking trams and the Lewises. They're pilots. Do you remember the first time you heard a female pilot? I'm not going to lie a bit like, ooh. But then, ah, great. You know. So all the jobs, I'm just using jobs as an example that men can do, women can do as good as. They can equal it. Except they don't always pay them equally. What the fuck is that about? You know, 
So let's have a look at that, right? Now that is changing. I'm just talking about the roles and, you know, in jobs. Anything you can do, I can do better. What's that from? I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. You can. Some fucking musical, isn't it? My Fair Lady, one of those type of things. Why can't a woman be like a man? Anyway, I don't know. But, you know, so women in that term, in that respect, can equal men in most, if not all. But what jobs could a woman not do? Unless she doesn't want to. You know, it's not forcing women to do anything. Sweep the streets, be an astronaut. The whole fucking shooting match. I think it's probably the other way around. I think there are things that women can do that men don't do as well. Probably. Possibly. Who knows? So I want to finish on, again, just talking to you about simple but very powerful principles like live and let live. Choice regardless of whether you're a woman or a man being adult and if you're adult you're going to have a flexibility about you you're going to be open to different aspects of yourself whether you want to call that the masculine or feminine side anima animus you know we are made up of both we just lean into one a bit more can we be a bit more creative about how we use that you know um would it be okay that i would feel protected by a woman there's some women I know can fuck it, but knock blokes out in a heartbeat. I often feel, not just because of that, just I feel protected in their energy. It's a lovely energy, but they're real sexy women. There's nothing like, you get me? So can we share that a bit? Is it okay to, to just play around with the roles a little bit? A little bit, if we want to, just to, it's okay. And then just to decide which who prefers what, that's okay. Okay, we can all row in, roll whatever way we need to roll. Some people prefer the more traditional, that's okay fine and that's good but uh it's not the most important thing surely to god the most important thing is how we treat each other you know in that whatever we decide those roles are going to be because there's a decision isn't it there's a choice around that there's a discussion but how surely being gracious and kind and so forth for me is far more important than who earns the few quid i don't care if you earn more or less you know, even that in the toxic masculinity, they, the, the men get all fucked up if the women earn more money. I mean, how insecure are you? Get your fucking nappy changed, you sap. You know, I don't mind a woman buying stuff for me. Fucking happy days, you know. Yes, it's good to earn your own and have your own dignity, but this is a different thing. Well, why would I worry about that? Why would that matter? You know, what do we think is important? I suppose that's really what I'm saying to you. How do we decide what's important? You know. Uh, surely, kindness, love, tolerance, humor, peace. Let's start there. Anything else is that, let's th let them be the most important things. Whether you're a man wearing a fucking dress or a woman wearing a suit and a tie, whatever way you want to do it, I don't care. How do you relate? You know. How are you? Are you respectful, loving, supportive, tolerant, humorous, not wanting to hurt or humiliate anybody? That's not too hard to do, is it? I'm sure others have thought about it before, but still, as I said, just because it's been said before doesn't mean it's not true. So I'm still on the journey of 
discovering what it means to be a man and, and societies change and cultures change a little bit. But there's still, and this, I'm still the same Jimbo, right? And the same Shay who didn't mind listening to women chatting to him as a, as a teenager, you know? Always hope that they kind of fancy him as well. I still have that, yeah, for sure. Uh, who doesn't want that? But I don't mind that at all. I love listening to men, and I, I, I also, like in this podcast, this is my chance to be listened to, you know, uh, I don't mind that. So whilst as I get older, I'm hopefully, hopefully growing and changing, in essence, I'm still the same Shay, I'm still the same Jimbo, the same JJ, that just is fascinated by both men and women and wants to be in and around them and be okay in that and, and enjoy it, basically enjoy being who you are and others so that's me probably signing off for the moment yeah thanks chair my editor if you think this or any of the episodes is worth a rating give it a rating five star preferably helps with the algorithms and the, the listenership and all that type of stuff um yeah if you enjoy it great and i look forward to your comments when i meet you particularly or if you want to send them in on the twilight conversations at gmail.com that's a bit of a feast or famine sometimes you get a lot of comments sometimes no one says anything most of my feedback is from people i meet but uh i'd really appreciate that so there will be more uh podcasts in this theme you know around gender male female power uh sharing power uh what it, what it means to be strong what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman uh as as i go along thank you for listening Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So, The Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash thetwilightconversations.com.